Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Just really glad to have everybody here this morning in the house of the Lord. I just hope you're here to uh, worship the Lord with communion. After, the, after Mike preaches, we're going to have communion. So make sure you uh, get your little communion cup there and just uh, prepare your hearts for that. It's a, it's a big deal to take the Lord's Supper. And I hope that you'll, you'll let God take you to the place where, where you can celebrate that and worship in that today. Um, tonight, if uh, you're married... If you're not married, you can't come. If you are married, we'd like you to come to uh, this uh, little little banquet we're having tonight. It's, uh, it's kind of for Valentine's Day, but um, from 5 to 6, we're having Charlie Reed just come talk to us about some things in our, our relationships, and we'd just like you to bring some finger food and just have a, a good time. Uh, bring your kids. Uh, we'll have nursery open just right here for little kid, little babies, and then any other older kid or even your teenagers uh, across the hall there. So... Uh, don't, don't be inhibited by anything. Just, just come tonight. Bring some finger food. Should be a good time from 5 to 6. And then uh, we got the winter Bible study coming up uh, later in this month. And uh, Pastor Max, is, uh, he's going to be doing, changing his Wednesday night class from a class on marriage to a class on parenting. So um, come to that. If you're going to that, it'll be changing to parenting. And then we're still taking a love offering for some missionaries of ours. Uh, they're missionaries that serve in Alaska, Toby and Cherry Curtis. And they, uh, they, they work with indigenous people there. And they've just kind of come upon a place where they're, they're finding some pretty, pretty crazy, you know, abuse situations and things like that. And they, they need some, uh, they, they've been felt like they need to take some counseling classes. And we just want to help them do that. Um, there's some cost involved. And uh, we just like to help raise some money so that they can afford to take some of this additional education that would just help them in their ministry. I'm pretty awesome actually, that, they're, you know, that they've come to this place realizing that uh, they just need some, need some more uh, wisdom and knowledge. So um, between now and the 13th, we'd just like to take a love offering for them, and you just can put it in that envelope in the back of your chair. You can't give that online. It doesn't work to give uh, specified offerings online, so you'll need to do it manually in your seat pocket there. So um, just uh, uh, pray about that or just do that and be a blessing to them. And then we have some summer mission trips that we're working on. So we're wanting God to put together some teams, some mission teams. That's what this is about. God, God's going to call out from among us a group of youth and a group of adults to go on one or both of these mission trips. And uh, it might be you. So just pray. Pray for you. Pray for our church to be able to do these uh, trips. One's to Portugal, July 11th through the 18th. Those are just the tentative dates. We don't, we don't have the exact uh, you know, plane ticket dates yet. And we're going to help uh, Mario and Lancey some uh, missionaries that we've worked with a lot over there uh, put on a VBS. And then we're going to go to Mexico with uh, Rick Cool. He, that's where he lived a long time. So he's got, some, he's got a camp down there that we're going to help out at. And that'll be from the, the July 31st through August 6th. Again, tentative dates. We haven't uh, nailed those down exactly yet. But uh, if you have questions about those, just come talk to me or Pastor Rick or Pastor Mike or Pastor Max. And uh, we can help out with that. Um, let's stand up and worship the Lord today. God, thank you that you brought us here, Lord. Thank you that uh, you, you, in your goodness, Lord, made this church, Lord, so that we could come and hear from you and worship you today, God. And I pray that we would just prepare our hearts for communion, God, right now. And, and as we go through the service, Lord, that we would repent of sin, that we would uh, put out all the crazy thoughts that roll around in our heads, Lord, and we just uh, open up our hearts and minds to you, Father, to speak to us, and that we'd hear you and obey you and worship you. I pray that we would do this. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.
Read this passage from Psalms with me, please. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let us sing because he has been bountiful towards us.
those around you, please. Took on flesh, 
be seated. Hi, my name is Pastor Rick, and I'm just so happy to be here today because we can worship Christ together as a family in Christ. He's been so good to us, and we can't thank him enough. If you were here yesterday for Upward, there was a good group of people here, and uh, my team's they're winners, even though we lost our games, and we're still winners, okay? <laughs> but uh, God, was, God was good to us, and uh, the Word of God is going out at every game through a lot of our folks right here. Uh, just continue to pray for that ministry. Also, I'd like us to pray for our mission trips. It was mentioned earlier, we're having trips to Portugal and to Mexico, I'm pretty much in contact with the Mexican pastors uh, throughout the week. We, uh, let's see, a couple that we know and have worked with in the past, uh, they've just had a rough time. One of them had the car stolen this last week. Uh, another one was going down a highway and came upon somebody put rocks across while they drove up there and then they robbed them, everything they had. So, anyway, we can pray for our Mexican pastors. Um, we also had one of our missionaries here this morning uh, from Alaska, uh, Carrie, the daughter of um, the Curtises, was here. We're raising a special offering for that, that missionary, that missionary family in Alaska. It was good just to touch base with her here at College Heights this morning. She's on a trip uh, to uh, promote the mission work in a couple Bible schools, so we can pray for Carrie as well. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good to us. We just love to come together and worship you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our people that love you and want to serve you and want to be a part of a, a family here in Casper. We just pray that you would use us to reach others for Christ. Thank you for our Hispanic ministry. We'd just love to meet with our people. It's just a, a real blessing. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing throughout uh, the world in missions. Um, I just think of these two trips, uh, mission trips for this summer, both to Mexico and Portugal. Just uh, prepare hearts and uh, send the right people to serve in those countries. Father, thank you for our upward basketball. Thank you that you're always uh, loving, that we can be a part of loving people for you. And Father, this morning as we hear your word, may we respond to it. We love you and thank you for Pastor Mike and his family. Just continue to bless our church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us and sing again.
we continue worshiping, when I was preparing to lead this morning, um, I'd just been going through a passage in Joshua, and I was reading about the story of Jericho and then the victory that Israel had there and how incredible that victory was because they were obedient to Christ and they were obedient to God and what he had commanded them. And, and then afterwards, they'd sinned against God, and God brought them destruction afterwards. They lost the next battle they were supposed to, to fight in. And, but what was incredibly great about that story is afterwards, God gave them a chance to repent, and they turned back to God. And he then gave them victory over the exact same city that he was trying to give them victory over before, but they turned away from him. And how much that mirrors my own relationship with God, how in moments I'm doing exactly as he commanded and I'm following in his, in his commandments. And, and then there's those moments I turn away and I do things in my own strength and I do things that I want to do in my own selfish motivations. But, but luckily, thankfully, God allows me to repent and turn back towards him and um, heard a great testimony in Upward yesterday about how our heart should be 100% towards God, that we need to give him everything. And, and this song just stood out to me. It's Come Thou Fount. And one of the verses talks about prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So please, just sing this prayer with me. See 
my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Please be seated. For our kids to go to super church, third grade and under, right out those doors. Man, that was a that was a great way to sing that song. I'd never heard that before till our early service this morning, and I love that. Above all else, uh, I adore your name. Above all else, turn your heart to turn my heart to sing your praise. I love that. Just the the thought of that. I mean, He is so worthy of our praise. I, I'm I'm so grateful for the Lord. You know, I I don't I don't always take just time to think about him. I talk about it sometimes. I try to encourage you guys to do that, but I don't always take the time to just think about him. I mean, just think about forgiveness. Do you guys just take time to think about forgiveness? To, to, to think about, you've not just been forgiven some of your sins. You have been forgiven all of your sins. I mean, all of them, gone, washed away by the blood of Christ. You ever just thought about the fact that we can have a relationship with the living God. If you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have a relationship with him. You know him. Maybe even better, you're known by him. I mean, we are blessed in some ways that, that we really can't fully comprehend it. And yet we should be thinking about it. We should be thinking about who God is in us. I love the fact that we've been studying the Holy Spirit because, man, the Holy Spirit is with us. It's one of the craziest things that you're ever going to think of, that God is in you if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. That means God's presence is always with you. Sometimes we talk about, you know, I'm going to go before God and I'm going to talk, about, talk to God. And that's not an inappropriate thing to say, but he's here. He's with you if you know Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He's there to be a comforter. He's there to be a strength. He's there to be wisdom. He's there to just be a, just a rock, an immovable place to stay. He's there to do things in you and through you that you can't do on your own. And we're gonna continue to talk about that today. I mean, I am praying for us as a church and for you individually that, you know, we'll actually begin to accept the fact that Christ is in us through the spirit and that through him, he wants to do extraordinary things. He doesn't want to do ordinary things. He wants to do extraordinary things through us. And man, the church ought to be powerful in many ways. How we love, how we serve, how we speak, how we forgive, our passion, our compassion. I mean, the way that we treat other people, our marriages ought to be strong and loving. Man, our, our, the way we parent our children ought to be different than the way the world parents our children. I mean, how we work in our workplaces ought to be different because the Holy Spirit's in us. I mean, our testimony, it ought to be different. We're not like the world. We, we're not even remotely close to being like the world. And yet somehow it just feels like we're always being drawn back to be more like the world rather than being given the spirit to walk away from the world and live for Christ. And so, you know, I just want you to keep praying with me about those things. That's why we felt that God gave us these theme verses for the year. Read them with me again. How many of you got to memorize so far? Oh, come on. You know, it's got to be better than that. We're talking about the Holy Spirit doing what we can't do. Just, just a little hint here. You have to walk by faith for that to happen. 
You have to believe that God can cause you to memorize these verses. It might be amazing if you did. So let's read them together. Maybe we'll get this down before, I don't know, September. (laughs) How about we, let's get this done. My speech and my message were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Man, I love everything about those verses. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we really did have faith based on God's power? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. We're going to talk about the Spirit's message and the Spirit's results. If you were with us last week, we came to Acts chapter 2 and we talked about God sending the Holy Spirit into the world on the day of Pentecost. And we just talked about how there was this sound of a violent rushing wind and how it filled the whole place and how at that time there was tongues of fire that rested on each of the believers there and how they began to speak in different languages. And it talks about how, man, the people in the city that were from different countries were amazed and perplexed because they were hearing them declare the mighty acts of God in their own language. Now, again, we talked about this some last week. It's impossible. I mean, if you said to me today, I'm going to speak French. I've never done it before, but I'm going to speak French. Well, let me hear. Have at it. Better let me call a Frenchman and find out if you are. I mean, it's impossible, right? But that's really the whole point. I mean, what God is showing us is that he has sent his spirit to enable us to do ministry in ways that we cannot do it on our own. It's just that simple. It has to have God in it to be accomplished. Well, today we're going to continue on in this passage. We're going to do verses 14 through 41. Um, After this morning, Max said to me, I can't believe you did all those passages in, in one sermon. And you may not be able to believe that either when we're over, when we're finished. But I'm like, well, I just kind of felt like that's what God wanted. And, and it's a lot. So we're going to kind of, we're going to try to bust through it. But anyway, chapter 2, verse 14, we'll start with just the first few verses. But Peter, taking a stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Then I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so good to be here this morning. So grateful for these men and women, the boys and girls that you brought here this morning. I know, Lord God, that you have something to say to us, each one of us. I know that can only be accomplished by your spirit and I pray that it would. I pray for those that don't know Christ that today, even today, this day would be the day of their salvation. 
For those of us that know you, Lord, we need to know you more. We need to know your goodness and your grace and your mercy, but we need to know your power. We need to know what it means to walk by faith. So I pray you'll speak to us as well. And Lord, I'll give you praise for all that you do. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here we have this pretty exciting thing, verse 13. Uh, It says that some of them were mocking the believers who were speaking in different languages because they thought they were drunk. And so, you know, anytime you're gonna see God do something glorious, you're gonna have people mock that. They don't understand it. Uh, That's something I think we have to kind of lock down if we're gonna walk with Christ. People are not going to understand that we walk with Jesus. They're not going to understand that we have a different view of life. They're not going to understand that we have a Savior who washes our sins away and that we can love them or we can forgive them or we can do whatever. They're not going to understand that and they're not going to be comfortable with it because at some levels they are rejecting him. So that some levels they're going to reject us. So Peter begins this address, if you will, by standing up and telling these guys, hey, men of Judea, And all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. He stands up and says, you really need to pay attention. This is important. And I I can't think of anything more important, to be honest with you, than what he has to say here. And then he says, for these men are not drunk. And I think there was a little bit of a, little bit of a kind of a joking in there. These guys aren't drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning is what he says. It's the third hour of the day. Their day started at 6 a.m. So he's like, these guys aren't drunk already. They're not something else is going on here. And so basically what Peter is explaining is what has happened. What was this noise of a violent rushing wind? What were these tongues of fire? What, what were these men and women speaking a foreign language? What was this all about? Doing something. And then he uses this incredible passage out of the book of Joel. And, and I find this interesting because, you know, Peter's a fisherman. Now, he has lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He's watched Christ die on the cross. He's watched him rise from the dead. He's been with him for some time. But to be able to put into context passages like Joel for a fisherman who hasn't been formally trained in the word of God, who hasn't memorized tons of scripture. I mean, for him to do this is an extraordinary thing. Right from the bat, we need to understand that Peter now is speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, back in verse 14, when it says, Peter taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, the word declared is the same word as utterance over in in verse four of chapter two, when it says, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So it's saying to us in the Greek that when Peter declares these things, it was the Spirit that was speaking through him. Now, that's important. I don't want us to miss that. I mean, really, sometimes we read the Bible and we just miss the fact that God is speaking and God is moving. And these men that are serving him are being compelled to serve him and enabled enabled to serve him because of the spirit that's in them. Too often, and we've talked about this a lot, too often we somehow think that we're going to not spend any time in prayer We're going to not spend any time in the word. We're not going to be really committed to Jesus. We're not really going to have a relationship with God. And then somehow we're just going to serve God and it's going to go in powerful ways. And the answer is it's not. 
It's not. You and I have nothing to offer apart from Christ. And so Jesus told these men and women in chapter one, don't do anything, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the spirit to come. And that's just exactly what they had done. And Jesus said in Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we're seeing the display of God's power through the Spirit as Peter begins to preach. And even in this passage, he he picks this passage out of Joel and he says, it'll be in the last days, God says, that I'll pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Even in that is just this incredible understanding of what God's going to do, right? He says, in the last days. You know, a lot of people talk about the last days. There's a lot of confusion about the last days. A lot of people say we're living in the last days, which they mean Jesus is coming soon. Well, that could be very true. What is true is that we are living in the last days because Peter says that the last days are when I love it when that goes in and out. There we go. Uh, The last days are when God's going to send forth his his Holy Spirit, which means it happened then. The last days were then when Christ sent the Holy Spirit to us and we continue in them because it's still the era of the Holy Spirit being with us. So the last days have lasted now some 2,000 years. And we don't know how long they're going to last. But we know this, that when the Spirit comes, that those who are Christ's, they're going to prophesy. Some are going to see visions. Some are going to dream dreams. But it's not, it's not the whole world. It says into all mankind, but it's specific to the believers. When the Holy Spirit came to Jerusalem, it came to the believers in Jerusalem, not to all of Jerusalem. And what it means is that all over the world, when people trust Jesus Christ, they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And when they do, they're going to prophesy. Now, this is also a little bit confusing because some people say that this means that everyone that receives the Holy Spirit who's trusting in Christ is then going to prophesy like an Old Testament prophet, which means they're going to hear directly from God and they're going to speak the words that are directly God's words. To some people, what that means is that I'll be able to look at Beth and go, Beth, I've got a word from God. This week, something good's going to happen to you. Well, that's not very direct from God, by the way. And I'll be honest with you. I don't believe that's what this is teaching Because if I said something more specific to Beth, claiming I'm a prophet, and it didn't come true, I'm a false prophet, and I should be stoned according to the word of God. There's some crazy things that people say that we should be able to do when, in truth, when you look at the word of God, this word prophecy means to proclaim. As we come to this passage of scripture, what God has revealed to the believers is that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, died and rose again, and that what we have to proclaim as truth and how God's working in the world today since Christ is the gospel. And we're gonna see that. We're gonna see that in this passage even more clearly. Now, I believe that God can still speak, if you will, directly to people, but he never contradicts his word. He never adds to it. It's never outside of it. He's given us his word so that we can know what truth is. And so prophecy has to be really careful The problem is, is that the Bible says that all, all will prophesy. Well, what in the world does that mean? 
Does that mean if I don't prophesy like some people say prophecy is, that I'm, I'm not part of God's kingdom? No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about all, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're going to be telling people of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will. It kind of goes back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I just quoted it. It says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. It's the same thing. Right? Joel's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit onto all mankind, to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior all over the world, and they're going to speak the gospel. Because number one, they're going to want to, supposedly. And number two, they're going to have the power to do it. And so then he says, some of them will see visions, some of them will dream dreams. And, you know, I've been in places, I've been in different worship services. I've actually had people tell me their dreams before. It had nothing to do with Christ. It had nothing to do with the word of God. It was just this dream. And somehow they say to me, I've, 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 I've dreamed this dream. I remember I, I was in Bulgaria of all places. I'm at a, like a bus stop. I got 10 college kids with me and I got another partner with me and this guy comes up, he asks us what we're doing. I tell him and, and he's like, well, I just, I, I have visions and I have dreams, but his visions have nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. And I said, those, those visions don't mean anything. Well, they mean something to me. I said, well, what do they mean? Well, I, I don't know. I said, well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, I don't know, but I'm sure it does. And so I'm arguing with a guy to bust stuff. I don't know if I won or not, but I'm, at least in my own mind, I won. There, there's nothing to win. There was nothing to it. I mean, I shared this morning is when I was down in Arizona, I went down to, to Frontiers, which is a, a missions agency that only works with Muslims. And so I was meeting with a guy that had spent some years in Pakistan and and he was telling me his testimony of what God had done in his life. And he says, you know, I, I moved to Pakistan alone. And so I had a guy that was kind of the authority over me, but he lived in a different town. And he says, so I moved to this town all by myself. And I'm just praying about how to get started, how to witness. And he said, God made it really clear to me through his spirit that I was supposed to witness to this imam who's like a religious leader in the mosques in, in Islam. But he said, this guy wasn't just an imam, he was a black imam, which meant he dealt with the occult, with spirits and demons. And he said, this man was very powerful, very influential in our city, and very wicked. And he said, I knew I was supposed to witness to him. I told my, the guy over me that I was supposed to witness to him. And he said, I waited a week and I just couldn't do it. My man called me and said, hey, have you witnessed to this guy like you told me you were supposed to? And he said, no. And so he said, I'm going to call you next week. And so he says, he calls next week. And I said, I haven't witnessed to him yet. I just haven't, I just haven't got the courage. He says, the guy over me said, you're going to do it this week. Don't call me. Don't let me call you next week and say, you're not, this is what you're here for. You're here to do this. If God's in it, do it. So he says, I, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And he said, uh, next time I saw him outside our apartment, he said, I just walked up to him and said, you know, uh, I just want to know if maybe you'd ever consider doing a Bible study with me. Since that's how I entered this conversation. And this imam said to me, so that's interesting you asked me that. He said, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had a, a dream when I was sleeping. In my dream was my my dream, both Muhammad and Jesus died. 
But in my dream, Jesus rose again. Muhammad stayed in the grave. So he said, for three weeks, I've been praying for God to send somebody to me to tell me what that means. And this guy said, not right away, but in in time, this man came to know Christ. Now, if that's what you want to talk about with dreams and visions, that's happening all over the Muslim world. But we're not talking about random things. You see, the Holy Spirit didn't come into this world to give random knowledge about meaningless things. He came into the world to exalt Jesus Christ and to empower us to share Christ with others and to empower the church to make an impact in this world. Matter of fact, he goes on and he says, I'll grant wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. Those things didn't take place yet. That's still going to happen. Joel says that's going to happen. It's going to happen because the great and the glorious day of the Lord is not what we sometimes think it is. It's the judgment of God. The great and glorious day of the Lord is when God puts this world into judgment and does away with sin and makes it brand new with those who know him. And he says before that happens, there's going to be powerful, miraculous things, even in the sky, that take place. But listen to what he says is the, is the purpose. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter is saying, the whole point of what's taking place in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit comes is that God is going to do a work in this world where his people will take this good news of Jesus Christ into the world And he's going to do signs in the sky eventually before the great judgment day of God comes. He's going to do signs on earth, which he did even when the Holy Spirit came. And then people, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. Man, that's so important for us to hear. I've been been preaching the gospel for 32 years. I've been saying this over and 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 over. I know how this goes. I know how people hear this. People hear this where God says, I've equipped my church. I've equipped believers to go into this world to do what they couldn't do on their own and tell people about Christ and let the gospel just tear into this world and change this world. And I know how it goes. That must be for somebody else. Right? Can't be for me. I shouldn't have to do something I can't do on my own. I shouldn't be expected by God to step out by faith and be somebody that I think I'm not. But the truth of the matter is, is if you're born again, if you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, that's one of the reasons why he's there to enable you to be a powerful influence in this world. You know, I, I've talked about this a lot because we're doing it with Upward. But, you know, there's a few individual people that God has had me just talk to about sharing their testimonies. And I, it's always a little dangerous for me because people, they want to say no to me, but they don't want to say no to me to, their fa- to my face. Does that make sense? Like, we don't really want a pastor to ask us about serving anywhere because, man, he's, you know, he's a pastor. So we, we won't say no to him, but we won't say yes to him. And so I've had some people that I've talked to about doing their testimonies. I've had a few people say yes. That's pretty fantastic. But I've also had some of them that, man, they don't even know how to respond to me. 
they just skirt, 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 and they're hoping I'm leaving quickly. I'm not kidding. And I really kind of realize it. Sometimes I go, okay, I better leave them alone because, you know, they're really uncomfortable. But you're not saying no. You're not saying no to me. And I'm not just talking about your testimony at Upward. Listen, to me, Upward is such an easy place to do testimonies. People expect you to. It's not strange to them. It's easy for you to walk out there. When you walk out there, they go, oh, he's going to share his testimony. She's going to share her testimony. We're good with it to some degree. The ones that aren't good with it, get up and leave, just so you know. Why wouldn't you start with Upward? But let's pick anywhere. Let's pick at work. Let's pick at home. Let's pick the neighborhood. Let's pick it at the store. I don't care where you want to share your testimony. The whole truth of the matter is, is that in order for us to be what God created us to be, we have to believe that the Holy Spirit is in us and that through us, we're going to be able to proclaim the gospel and people are going to believe. People are going to believe. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the problem is, is that for many of us, we deny, we deny the power of God in us. Well, let's go on a little further. As Peter continues to explain. Verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. <laughs> I love the Bible. I probably say that every Sunday, but I, I'm not kidding, man. I love it. It's, it's tough not to love. You know, here we live in a day that says you can't say anything offensive to anybody. You know, you can't be truthful with anybody. You got to kind of skirt around the issue. You got to kind of, you know, make sure you make them feel okay. You know, you can't really be an in-your-face person today because people get so offended. Well, just know this. 50 days ago, they killed Jesus because they got offended by him. Now, 50 days later, after the Spirit has come, Peter's looking at the men that could still kill him. Because which is easier, to kill Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, or to kill Peter? It's easier to kill Peter. No big deal to kill Peter. And he's standing up and he's going, listen, you guys, you knew who Jesus was and you killed him. That's a short version of that. You knew because God attested to Jesus by the signs and the wonders and the things that he said. You knew who he was. Matter of fact, the last part of verse 22 says, just as you yourselves know that Jesus was attested by God. So you knew who Jesus was. And oh, trust me today, many, many, many people still know who Jesus is. And honestly, if they don't, it doesn't take very long to tell them. It's not hard to tell them that Jesus was born of a virgin, God who left heaven to become a man, lived a sinless life, died willingly on the cross for their sins, and on the third day rose again. He's not like you. He's not like me. He's the Lord God Almighty. He's the only Savior. He's the only one that's ever proved it. It's not that hard to tell them. And it says, you guys knew. And even though you knew, it says, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross. 
Is that not smoking? Is that not truth unhindered? Is that not truth that pours into a person's conscience and brings them to a place that says, what? What? See, part of what we are afraid of today is that we're going to make somebody so uncomfortable that, you know, they're not going to like us anymore. And so we don't speak to them about anything anymore. We're afraid maybe we'll lose our jobs sometimes. And it's true. We could lose jobs over this. There's no doubt about it. Losing a job, is that truly a job worth keeping if you can't live for Christ the way he's called you? But the problem is deeper than that. The problem is we don't want people to have to feel convicted. We don't want people to have to feel the pressure of rejecting Christ. And so we don't tell them that stuff. Matter of fact, anymore, we don't tell truth to anybody. Man, we are believers. We see another believer living in sin. We don't want to tell them about that. We don't want them to just let them go ahead and sin and let them just be destroyed by their sin. That's loving and gracious, isn't it? And it's not loving and it's not gracious if you won't speak truth to people that need Jesus. This isn't Peter saying this. Remember, this is the Spirit's message that he's speaking through Peter. And it's so powerful. You guys knew who he was. And in his death, which was predetermined and foreknown by God, meaning God was accomplishing his purpose, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of evil men. So he's speaking of the Jews that nailed him to the cross through the Romans, the evil men. They nailed him to the cross. And here's the truth. Every time we share the gospel, what we really are saying is that sin is why Jesus died. Your sin and my sin. We're not calling them to anything less. We're pointing out to people that, yes, sin is horrific in God's eyes. It's going to be condemned by God. It's going to be judged by God. But we don't ever leave it there. I mean, Peter didn't leave it there. We're just afraid that if we share that, that that's all they're going to hear. And share the rest. Listen to what Peter says next. He says, if I can find my place. There we go. He says, but, but, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. Folks, that's the gospel. These three verses are the gospel. They're a powerful gospel. On the one hand, people know who Jesus is. And if they don't, tell him who Jesus is. Then they're going to know that this man was not like us. He did miracles. He loved people. He forgave people. He touched the lepers. He raised the dead. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk. He's not like us. He was God's son. Tell him that. And tell him that even though God's son came, people killed him because they didn't want him. They didn't want to submit to him. And part of that is our fault, our own sin. Tell him that. They may not want to hear it, but they desperately need to. Do you not know this world needs Jesus? They literally are going to hell, and we're doing nothing about it. 
Man, they may tell you that you're crazy. They may tell you you're a jerk. They may tell you that they hate you. They may actually persecute you. They may actually treat you like you're the one that's in the wrong when the truth of the matter is, is you love them enough to speak truth to them and then tell them, but he didn't die and stay in the grave. He rose from the dead because death could not keep him. He's a son of God. He's the king. He's the savior. Well, Peter goes on, and I'll try to make this somewhat brief because he begins to describe to them, how do you know Jesus? How do you know Jesus was the Messiah? How do you know he's the right guy? On well, verses 25 and following, he says, for David says of him, this is out of Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he's at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. You will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And so basically, he's quoting what David has written. And most of them thought David was talking about himself. But listen to what Peter says. Brethren, I may confidently say, confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Isn't that fantastic? Peter says, let me tell you how I know Christ is the one, how I know Jesus is the one. David spoke of him not being abandoned to Hades, nor let his flesh decay. And Peter says, but David's tomb is right over there. Matter of fact, if you go to Jerusalem today, they can take you to David's tomb. Because dead guys don't get out of the grave. They stay. And so he says, David knew he wasn't talking about himself. David was talking about Jesus because the one who didn't go under, who didn't undergo decay was Christ who rose from the dead and we have seen him. And by the way, if you know Jesus Christ, you've seen him too. I love it when people say to me, how do you know he rose from the dead? Well, first of all, he lives in me. I know he's alive. Second of all, there's plenty of proof, right? Nobody disputes that Jesus rose from the dead. Nobody does. Too much proof in this world that Jesus rose from the dead. And I got it. And they had it. So then he goes on to say, and hear about this spirit thing? Like Jesus rose from the dead? That's how I know that the spirit came from him? He goes on to say, look, in verse 33, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself, the Lord, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make, my, make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In other words, he says, look, man, this is given by Jesus Christ. He's ascended back into heaven. David didn't do it. Again, he quotes from a psalm, Psalm 110. He says, man, David wrote about my Lord. Or my, my, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. David was saying, I have a Lord who's gonna sit at the right hand of God the Father. It's not me. And Peter says, it's Christ. And he's ascended back into heaven and he sent the spirit. This is all a work of God. Don't you love the word? I mean, sometimes we actually think that 
there's not any kind of substance to the word. There's not any kind of strength to the word. There's not any kind of proof to the word. And here's the Holy Spirit laying it all out before us of how this all came to pass. This is all about God. And then it says in verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You guys think I'm passionate? (laughs) I think if Peter was here today, I'd be like, oh, this guy's intense. Why would we not be intense? He looked at these guys and said, I want you to know for certain that God has made this man, Jesus Christ, both Lord, ruler, owner, and Christ, Savior, the one you crucified. That one hurts, doesn't it? I mean, the world today, they need to be confronted with the truth. The world today needs to hear from somebody who loves them that they are rejecting the Lord and the Christ. They're rejecting him. They're not just not being religious. You know, we, we met with some people the other day at a Bible study, Beth and I did, and, and this young lady told us that she's not really religious. Well, come to find out she was. Come to find out if we could have assessed her She had rejected it because she had some knowledge. And what she needs to hear is that you've crucified by your rejection the Lord and the Christ. You've denied him. I know, I know, I've, I've seen it plenty of times that some people just get offended by that. And I've never liked it, not ever once have I ever liked it when I've offended somebody with the gospel. I've never liked it when somebody just, you know, walks away and says whatever they want to say. I don't know why anybody would ever like that. It's never my desire. But they're never going to come to know Christ until they hear us say, rejecting Christ is rejecting the one Lord and one Savior. There is no other way. And don't you love this response? See, we've had, we've had the Holy Spirit's message up until now, but now we see the results, and they're powerful. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Man, it's one of the sweetest verses that's in the entire Bible because that's what's happening is when God presents himself to these people through just his simple servant, Peter, they're pierced to the heart. That means the conviction has come to their core. There's nowhere for them to turn. They're confronted by the truth of what they've done and how they've rejected Jesus Christ. And now they say, what should we do? What should we do about treating God this way? And Peter says, I love this, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says then repent 
You have got to change your attitude about Jesus. You've got to change your relationship with Jesus. You thought Jesus was a false prophet. You've treated Jesus like he was nothing. You crucified him because you didn't understand who he was. But now that you know who he is, you've got to repent. And now you've got to see him as Lord. Now you've got to change your response to him and how you live your life in regard to him. Now you've got to follow him and trust him and serve him. Repent. I love that word. It's so necessary for us. I'm thankful for Aaron sharing this little testimony about the fact that, you know, man, I have these times where I I turn away from God even as a follower, but then he gives me the grace to repent and come back to him. Well, it starts by repenting of your sins and turning back to Christ and saying, I believe, I trust you, you're my savior. Man, there's so many people that need repentance today. There's so many people that they're looking for answers everywhere. Maybe they're looking for the next good job that pays them better. Maybe they're looking for a fancier house. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they're looking for an answer to their medical problems. They're looking in all these places to have some sort of hope and some sort of stability and some sort of life. And no matter where they turn, it never satisfies. This world never satisfies. But if you turn and change your mind about Christ and go to him and put your faith in him, like you'll receive the Holy Spirit, says. We'll talk about that in a minute. The truth of the matter is, is that it's coming to Christ and believing in Christ. I know Peter says next that let me read some scripture because baptism, as I'll explain it in a minute, is not always associated with salvation. It is uh, I don't know whether to yell loud or, sorry, please bear with me. But let me read some scriptures so we get an understanding that repentance and belief is where salvation comes from before we deal with baptism. Acts three nineteen and 20 says, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. Nothing mentioned of baptism, but repentance in this one. Acts 10, 43, of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. No mention of repentance, but certainly belief in this one. And then Acts 13, 38 and 39 says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. And so it's, it's really clear the apostles preached salvation comes through repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ. So why does Peter then say, and be baptized? Well, it's, it's not really that hard to understand. The truth of the matter is, is that baptized represents Jesus' authority, his ability to save, his ability to, to make you clean and wash your sins away, And when you are baptized, you are identifying yourself with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and testifying to the fact that he is. So Peter's saying to these guys in Jerusalem, 50 days after Jesus has been crucified, repent, believe, and be baptized. Identify yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the call of a Christian. I mean, so many people today, it's like they, I don't know, they want to be silent partners, you know, with Jesus. 
They want all the benefits of Christ, but they don't want to be baptized. They don't want to testify. They don't want to witness it upward. They don't want to witness it work. They don't want to do anything outwardly, right? They just want salvation. But that's not the deal. No, you're going to have to be baptized. You're going to have to take a stand. Man, in some of these Muslim countries today, if you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior and never do anything about it, then typically they don't do anything to you. If you walk out the door and you stand publicly and you get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, all bets are off. That's when the persecution comes. And you know, isn't it true of America? Isn't it? As long as I don't ever speak, as long as nobody ever knows, as long as there's no other costs, as long as I don't have to trust God to do what I can't do, to protect me when I can't protect myself, to speak in ways I can't speak on my own, as long as I don't have to trust God and take a step of faith, I'll follow Jesus. Except that's not following. In what way is that following? What way? It's not. The whole point of the Holy Spirit coming is to enable us to do what we can't do on our own. And part of the biggest step that we take of seeing the Spirit work through us is to speak about Christ and to share Christ in this world. And too many of us aren't doing it. Well, praise God. Peter calls him to this, and then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I absolutely love this. Most of us would say, and you'd get your sins forgiven, you'd have eternal life, you know, whatever. He says, man, if you trust Christ, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just talking about some outward manifestation. He's talking about God's presence with you. The greatest thing you could receive is a relationship with God. That's what you're missing, and you're going to get it. He's going to be with you. He's going to help you serve, but he's also going to be your comforter. He's also going to be your guide. He's also going to be your rock, your fortress, your strong tower. He's going to be everything you need. Hallelujah. What more could we want? There's nothing more you could want because there's nothing that compares to receiving him. So he says in this promise, is for you and your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call them. And he says, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And then it says it, and I love it. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. <laughs> that is Incredible. That's incredible. I've never had a chance to see somebody trust Christ and not just praise God. I've never had that. I've never seen that happen. When I've shared Christ with people and they've said, "That's yes, I'm sorry for my sins and I do believe in Jesus. And then you can just see the transformation. I have never had a time leaving that situation where I, where I just didn't cry and praise God. It's, so, it's such a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a work of God. That's the only way you can describe somebody coming to Jesus Christ. It's not you. You know it's not you. How could that possibly have happened? Can't even imagine what it must have been like for 3,000 people. 
I'm sure Peter got done with his sermon and went, wow, that was smoking. I did a great job today. Are you kidding me? Peter went, oh, man, the spirit is real. And I'm quite sure all he did was worship. Why would you not worship? 3,000 souls saved that day. And you remember a few weeks ago where we talked about how Jesus said, if I go and send the spirit, you'll do even greater works than I have done. Well, at the end of his ministry, there was 120 people gathered in Jerusalem waiting for the spirit to come. And when the spirit came, 3,000 got saved. He wasn't teasing. Man, he can do in us things that we could have never dreamt we could do, but we have got to know We've got to know that when we step out by faith as followers of Christ, that he can do those things. But here's the, here's the greater challenge. We've actually got to love God. I mean, love him. Just like the scripture says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't love him enough to obey him, then you're never going to step out by faith and see the power of God displayed through you. And it's tragic that that doesn't happen sometimes. Because, man, he's glorious. He's amazing. He'll do things that are completely inexplicable. But we got to love him first. We got to follow him. We got to step out by faith. God gave us a spirit where he leads us. He'll supply whatever we need. Do you believe that? Christian, do you believe that? It's right here in front of us. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ is your Lord and Savior. There is no better passage of scripture to describe that Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he died and rose again and he did it for you. But you're gonna have to come by faith as well. You have to say, Lord, I know who you are. I'm sorry for my sins. I need you to forgive me. I'm turning to you. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, send your Holy Spirit into me. Let me have that relationship with you I've never had before. It takes faith. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer. I'm going to have Pastor Max come. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. Let me be clear about this since it's the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is for those who have trusted Christ as the Lord, Lord and Savior because it's remembering his broken body and his shed blood and celebrating it. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, then quite honestly, it's not for you. It is an example. It is an example for you to see what Christ has done for you. But I encourage you just to sit silently and think. And if you're a Christian, you should be celebrating what Christ has done for you, but you need to know He's calling you to serve him as well. Don't take this lightly. And if you don't know Christ, man, why don't you just spend this time praying and saying, Lord, you did this for me? I need you. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good and so glorious and so great. Your love is like no other. It's unconditional and full. I'm amazed by what the Spirit can do. And I pray that even now you would do an amazing thing in our hearts. 
I ask that you would bless Pastor Max as he comes to lead us and that you would bless us as we look at the cross. May you receive glory from us and honor. May you draw the lost to salvation and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll uh, take a simple look at Matthew and then real quick passage in Romans and in Hebrews and then we'll end uh, with a song together after we take the communion. I want to read to you. Matthew very simply wrote what happened that evening in verse uh, 26 of chapter 26. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he it broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he speaks of the new covenant. I want to read to you uh, a passage in Romans 6, but I'd like for you to go ahead and peel that portion off the bread and go ahead and have that bread in your hand. I'd like to read this without any distractions. So go ahead and secure that bread and then listen to what Paul wrote in Romans 6. Verses 5 and following. He says, For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Ah, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you're not under law but under grace. Well, we can thank God for that, can't we? Let's thank God for the body of Christ. Father, thank you so much that you have removed sin from us. You died. Your son died for us with our sin on him, on that cross. And that he's given us that death to sin and a resurrection of a new life in him. And so, Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ. In his name, amen. The body of Christ.
go ahead and peel the second seal off that so that we can do the same thing here, this passage, without any distractions. This is Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 11. We read, but when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not made, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through eternal, the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. We can also give thanks to God for that, that Christ established a new covenant, finished the old covenant, fulfilling it with his blood. God, we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you that he gave us his life as he gave his life for us. We thank you, Father, that he took your wrath, that he paid the price that we owed, and that he gives us eternal life forever with him. And we pray this in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. The blood of Christ. Scripture says that they all sang a hymn and went out to pray. Why don't you lead us? And when I think that God is Son, not Shall come with 
shout out.